0: Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a Kins 5 podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. I'm Cameron Songer. And we're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs Uh, going into the offseason here. How did we get here? Let's take a look at that first and foremost. Uh, Disappointing Game 7, I would say. What happened there? You want to break it down for us?
1: Yeah, so the Spurs, I think you can forget, they were the 7th seed. And it's an accomplishment to get to a 7th game as the 7th seed. I mean, even that, that whole first round... Uh, just two series even went to a sixth game. The Spurs were the only team to force a game seven uh, as the lower seed. It was all chalk in the first round. Of the, the the higher seeds all won. Uh, the Spurs, I think the fans could maybe look at a couple of games, a couple of things, and said, this shouldn't have even gone to a seventh game. We should have had this wrapped up already in six. Uh, instead, it went to a seventh game. Neither team really played well in that seventh game. Uh, home court played a big role. Nikola Jokic, the best player on the floor, played a big role. Uh, and, and what it comes down to is it's about – 30 seconds left. The Spurs are down four. Take a maybe not the greatest shot. Uh, gets blocked. Nuggets recover it. There's about a two or three second difference between the shot clock and game clock. You need to foul. They're down four if you really want to extend the game. The Spurs didn't. They let it They let it play out. And the Nuggets basically ran out the clock. Um, Coach Popovich, it looked like he was calling for the foul. He was on the floor. Best case scenario, the Nuggets missed both, both free throws. And it's still a four-point game with maybe 20 seconds left. More than likely, they're going to make both of them. Uh, You know, they have some really good foul shooters. You're down six with about 20 seconds left. It's really not a good—you have a better chance down six with 20 than down four with four seconds left, which is what it ended up being. Uh, But either way, it was not looking great for the Spurs.
0: Yeah, I don't think a foul there makes a difference. It's disappointing to see that kind of happen. It almost looks like a lack of effort by the team, Um, a team ready to kind of wrap their season up, if you will. But looking back at the whole series, this was a team that— got bullied by a bigger player in Nikola Jokic who is proving himself to be one of the two or three best big men. I think one of the five best players left in the playoffs in the way he's playing. If he can go to the Western Conference Finals, if he can show, I think he's got a size advantage. We'll talk more about the playoffs later on against either of the teams he'll play. Um, And then also don't forget um, the, the move that Mike Malone made for the Nuggets to put Torrey Craig on Derek White changed the series, changed the outcome of that series, locked up a player, the Spurs' best player in the series going into that game. I think it was game four he made that transition. Um, and that kind of was all she wrote there for the, the Spurs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say Coach Popovich got outcoached. I think the Nuggets were a much more talented team. Uh, the Spurs obviously really missed uh, one extra really talented body in Dejounte Murray uh, throughout the whole season. Uh, but Derek White had that that big coming out party. What thirty plus points uh, on the national stage? Is a guy who was picked at the end of the first round, started his college career at a D two school. Uh, he really, I mean, that's almost the definition of coming out of nowhere. Uh, even though you know Spurs fans knew who he was and he'd had had some big games for us over the course of uh, a season plus. Uh, it, it's tough. You, you, you look at most of these playoff series end up coming down to superstars, super duper stars, top flight guys. And, and Jokic was the best guy on the floor uh, for the length of the series. The Spurs don't really have an answer for him. He's one of just a couple of guys who you look at it and say, man, what do you do with that? I mean, it's a short list. LeBron, who's obviously not in this year's playoffs. Giannis, Harden, Curry, Durant. That's about it. Everybody else it sort of looks like something else you've seen. Um And then Jokic... there really hasn't been something like him for a really long time in in the NBA, if ever.
0: Yeah, throughout a seven-game series, teams will figure out the best player on the court and figure out ways to stop other teams' best players. And there's a few people who can't be stopped. And Jokic is proving himself to be one of those guys with his skill set and his talent set. Uh, Disappointing into the playoffs. But let's look full court here. Let's take an entire picture of the season. Cameron, do you have a tweet-length summary of the Spurs' 2019 season?
1: Yeah, I would just say a few things just sort of went the wrong way. Uh, You start with that DeJounte Murray injury in the preseason, and you go all the way to the last day of the regular season when uh, a lot of things were still up in the air, the Spurs entering that last game. And remember, usually the last half week, week of the season, things are pretty much set, especially for the playoff teams, especially for a team like the Spurs, who are not used to uh, entering that last game, the, the way they schedule it, most teams, almost every team plays on the last day of the season. Uh, the Spurs entered that night, they could have had the 6, 7, or the 8 seed, and there were still i think three or four different possible matchups based on how some other things happened so it's not just how the spurs last few games went going down to the wire but how some other games went uh you look at that big there was the thunder played the rockets in the last week of the season. i don't remember if it was the second to last night it was it was that that tuesday night, night yeah. and uh the rockets blew a big lead and the thunder came back and won and that helped their seating uh down the home stretch so the 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 Spurs could have had the sixth seed had that game gone the other way. They also could have dropped down to eight uh, and and ended up playing Golden State, which is a good thing that didn't happen because Golden State, they're good. Um, so you, you come down to that, and I think what you say is this is a, a good team. This is a playoff caliber team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think they're also uh, looking at things and said, we could have been in that second round. I don't know that they would have been competitive in the second round, but you – feel a lot differently about the season, especially now this is the first time the Spurs have been eliminated in the first round in back-to-back years in the pop era. That's that's sort of like a, a little bit of a black mark against this season, but you feel very differently about this season if they win that first round series and they're playing in the second round, regardless of how that second round goes.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the volatility of the Western Conference, and it reminds me uh, of the 2014-2015 season. We're going into the final game of the season. The Spurs could have been the second seed. They could have fallen anywhere between the second seed and the sixth seed, as long as long they uh, just depending on the outcome of that Pelicans game they're playing in that final game. They lose that. They drop to the sixth seed, play the three-seed Clippers comes down to another game seven where I think fans were disappointed and left with a bad taste in their mouth. Um, there's one more play, uh, final play in that game seven. Clock starts running a little early, maybe. So, if you ask Spurs fans they'd say that. Clippers fans would argue otherwise. Um, but that's just the way it goes. Um, but you know, that's 21 straight consecutive playoff uh, appearances for the team. That's really impressive. Uh, In my mind, like you said, I don't think it could be uh, seen as disappointment. If I was going to sum it up in a tweet, I think I'd uh, steal a line from Arrested Development and say, we stirred the pot, but can the team get a stew going? Uh, So many new faces on this roster. And to keep up with the food metaphor, I guess, new ingredients to the Spurs recipe. And we'll just see the full dish on display next season and the outcome of that. Uh, As you mentioned, DeJounte Murray missed this season, I think. He comes back. He becomes an immediate contributor to this team, especially on the defensive end, where we've seen him shine. And that was kind of a weak spot for the Spurs. There was a stretch this season when you saw the near full potential of this team. They were cruising. Derek White came out of nowhere, as you said, and proved himself to be someone who can help this team out. Uh, I think they're a contender, possibly continuing this playoffs, um, continuing their playoff run next year, um, just based on this roster. But that brings us to the offseason here and uh, what we know about it. So let's talk a little corporate knowledge. I think, first and foremost, they're taking care of Coach Greg Popovich right out of the gate here. Um, David Flores, Ken's five reporter, uh, is, wrote an article a few weeks ago about how they're coming down on a three-year contract extension for Popovich. Do you think that's a three-year contract he sees the extent of, or does he leave earlier?
1: I I, I don't know. Um Coach Popovich is the Spurs guy. I don't see the the Spurs going with any other coach as long as Coach Popovich is in the league, and I don't see Coach Popovich going to another team. Uh, So as long as Coach Pop wants to coach and as long as he is uh, around, the Spurs will have him and he he will have the Spurs. Uh, Three years, though, takes him to the uh, 2021-2022 season. Uh, What we know about Coach Popovich's other commitments he's committed to coaching team usa in the world championships this summer and through the olympics next summer um it would be a little weird to me as a coach if you say my last thing is the olympics and it's the only time he's ever going to coach the olympics and then he would say that's it peace out you know right off into the sunset presumably with a gold medal with team usa in some ways it would be nice i it doesn't seem right as from the mindset of those Olympic guys and the competitiveness that we know Coach Popovich has. I see him coming back uh, at least for that season, the 2020-2021 season. Uh, beyond that, the, the, what would be the third and final year of this deal, uh, 21-22, things get really interesting. Uh, looking at the way this team is constructed right now and the way this, the salaries are, uh, the contracts, there's one player under contract that year uh, guaranteed uh, and that's uh, Lonnie Walker for the 21-22 season. That's crazy. That This could be a completely different team by then. And uh, whether Coach Popovich wants to stick around, uh, I think it depends on who's on the team
0: at that point, perhaps. Exactly. I mean, you mentioned that how those contracts fall into place. That seems to be what the front office is thinking will be the time to start rebuilding, reconstructing this roster, maybe based around some of these young guards they've got and Lonnie Walker and uh, Bryn Forbes in... Derek White, and then DeJounte Murray. If any of those guys can prove themselves to be an all-star or a superstar or a building block for a team, um, that seems to be the way things are lining up. And that'll be the time, I guess, when Popovich might hang it up, let someone rebuild this team. I don't know if he wants to go through a rebuilding process, especially at the age of 74. Um, I mean, he's getting up there in age. So the time is limited with Pop, and I think they're in win-now mode. And that kind of brings us to the roster they have now, Built for winning now, uh, I think I would argue. Um, it's going to go around 33-year-old Marcus Aldridge, 29-year-old DeMar DeRozan. These players aren't getting younger. What can this team do to win with those guys based around the current roster?
1: It's tough. I think they're a little guard-heavy right now. Uh, you look at, I mean, Bryn Forbes handled the ball a little bit this year. I know that's not really his natural position is to sort of run the one. You'd like to keep Patty Mills sort of coming off the bench in that role, um, even though he's a natural point guard. But you look at, there's there's just too many guards right now and not enough guys who can sort of, especially in this era of more pos- positionless basketball, but you want more guys sort of like Lonnie Walker who can sort of play that, that wing. Um, really, you're looking at guys who can play either forward position. Uh, you, there are too many guys on this roster right now who are like strictly point guards or shooting. Marco Bellinelli's not going to move over and play the three. He's a two. Uh, Patty Mills is a one. He can play off the ball a little bit. Uh, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, they both, Thrive with the ball in their hands. Bryn Forbes is an off-guard in a small lineup. He plays the three a little bit, but that's that's also a stretch. There's That's a lot of guys who can't go into that four spot. Yeah. Uh, and so I think looking into this year, looking into this offseason, you're targeting a big. You're targeting at least a forward. I mean, uh, you know, we'll talk more about Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter here in, in a few minutes and, and how uh, those slots are opening up. Uh, but you, you need another big... I, Talk, we talked a little bit about Rudy Gay. We can talk about him uh, perhaps because he is the the big question uh, in free agency for this team. He plays that important role, sort of that 3-4. That uh, Bertans also kind of in that situation. But you want guys who can play multiple positions. That's the way the league is going.
0: Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, this year the Spurs started Brent Forbes and Derek White for a majority of the season. You have to assume DeJounte Murray coming back is going to take one of their starting spots. Um, I believe that they should move Derek White to the bench keep Bryn Forbes in the starting lineup as a spot-up shooter, as a guy who can also handle the ball. Move Eric White into kind of that successor to Manu Ginobili role. Uh, as a sixth man, he, he won't be starting games, but he'll be playing the majority of them, and he'll be finishing the games in that uh, position. And that comes also back to the bench as well. And I think someone who proved himself to be an integral piece to this bench is Rudy Gay. Uh, as someone who I think came to the team expecting to, I mean, to back up Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi left, probably expected to start in that three or four slot um, he he can play the four and small ball next to Lamarcus Aldridge, but the thing that he brings the most to this team is his sportsmanship and his teammate, uh, his I guess his camaraderie with his teammates too. His teammates named him, uh, nominated him to to a teammate of the year award, and I think that brings a lot of value to the Spurs. The Spurs values historically off the court um, mentality and off the court roles and uh, the chemistry that this team has, and that comes back to corporate knowledge, you know. Uh, and I think bringing him in. Is a very important part. Bringing him back, re signing him is a very important part to this team's offseason plan.
1: Yeah, I think he and, and Patty Mills, you want veterans, uh, you want guys who've who been there and sort of been through some of that. Uh, you know, Patty Mills, it, it was mentioned several times here, he's now the longest tenured Spur. He's the, the last connection uh, to the, those sort of, uh, you know, those glory days when the Spurs were right in the middle of those runs and, yeah. and going to back to back finals. The problem with Patty Mills, though, is, is his contract. He's 30 right now, and he's due $25 million over the next two years. It's
0: the third highest spur on the roster right now, which right. is crazy.
1: And, and, you know, with no disrespect to Patty Mills, he's not the third most talented player on the team. Uh, and and you, you understand that the way the NBA salary cap is structured, that, that that's not a, a direct correlation, and these guys bring other value. Uh, but the team paid uh, 30-year-old Patty Mills 11 and a half million this year and a 32-year-old Rudy Gay just over $10 million. Ideally, you want those numbers to come down a little bit, so you can start. You're not you're not necessarily going to be bringing in a third superstar. Maybe not a guy who's Demar or Lamarcus's caliber, but you need a third really good player. And and that was sort of the difference between the Spurs and some of the teams at the top of the playoffs. The teams who are still playing this year, uh, you look you look up and down those rosters, and there's just there's just more talent. I mean, guys like uh, Chris Middleton, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe on Milwaukee. They they just clinched into the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, what the the Rockets have with Eric Gordon is sort of that third option. Uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier. What would any team that's still playing in the playoffs trade their top two for the Spurs mm. top two? And I, don't, I think the answer is no uh, of, of, let's say the Spurs had gone into the next round. They would have been in this round of the playoffs with sort of the weakest top two of any team still playing. And, and, you know, for as important as depth is and corporate knowledge and team camaraderie, at this point in the playoffs, when you're competing for a championship, it's about the star
0: power, and, and the Spurs need just a little bit more. That's a really interesting hypothetical, and I have to agree that I don't think any of these teams trade their top two for DeMar and LaMarcus, uh, especially because this was a season where the Spurs zigged while everyone else was zagging, and there are two mid-range, long two players that don't really fit into any of these kind of situations or kind of scenarios that these teams are trying to to play out of, where they're driving, they're shooting the threes, they're playing quick, tempo, basketball. That's not these guys. Um, And I think the Spurs have found success, with the long two, building a team around these two guys, playing the mid-range, slowing it down because they have the bench depth when those guys aren't on the court, Spurs are taking a lot of three pointers, and uh, they were the best at doing that in the league when they took threes. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, there's a few faces who could be leaving. We we we're going to talk about who could be coming in, but before we do that, let's talk about the free agents that the Spurs have. We talked Rudy Gay. You've mentioned Dante Cunningham and Quincy Quincy Pondexter, Chimezie Metu, rookie this year. Um, he's at the uh, he's at the point where the Spurs could bring him back. Um, I'm not sure about that. And then, of course, we already saw Donates Montellunes head back to Europe after his contract was up. That was expected. Do you think Pondexter or Cunningham are players that the Spurs bring back?
1: I was surprised that the Spurs signed them in the first place uh, you know, last summer. It, it seemed like it, the kind of, it was more of a chemistry thing. It seemed like a kind of a, a, you know, a off-court thing, more like how can you help these young guys sort of come along? Because what we saw from them on the court really wasn't a lot. Uh, The Spurs paid almost $20 million this year, combined to Pau Gasol, Quincy Pondexter, and Dante Honeyham. $20 million for those three guys, and they produced uh, a combined less than four win shares. And you can criticize that advanced metric as much as you want. Davis Bertans had a win share of 4.0. So Davis Bertans was, by one metric more valuable than those three guys. They paid Davis Berton $7 million.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like Quincy Pondexer and Dante Cunningham couldn't find a place in this rotation. Uh, You saw them playing a lot in garbage time and garbage minutes. I think there was some value to uh, Dante Cunningham's defense at times, uh, but he was never the guy the Spurs could call in to be a lockdown defender or to to play significant minutes or a significant role in this team. Um, And I'd like to see more minutes go to people like Davis Berton's and then uh, if there's anyone the Spurs could bring in. So we've talked a little bit about free agents. Let's talk about another contract that is a big question here for the Spurs, and that's DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he is here for the 2019-2020 season, and then he has a player option of almost $28 million to stay for the 2020-2021 season. This could be the last season with DeMar. Do you think he stays or do you think he goes?
1: DeMar is a really interesting player uh, for the Spurs. He turns 30 this summer. He's a guy who initially came into the league Uh, A lot of athleticism, that was sort of his game. He's developed impeccable footwork. He's really an expert uh, in the mid-range and and a valuable player. Um, Whether he's a top-tier guy on a championship team, I I don't know. I think that question uh, depended on some other things in Toronto and then obviously here. Uh, He wasn't happy about being traded from Toronto. He spent his whole career there. He wanted to stay there. Uh, He didn't choose San Antonio. San Antonio kind of chose him. So whether he wants to stay in San Antonio long-term and whether the Spurs will want to pay him beyond his age 31 season uh, is a really interesting question. The Spurs, like you said before, they're in win-now mode, but what mode they'll be in in another year uh, is a really, that's something. And could they potentially look at trading him, uh, moving him, and getting something in return I think there's a possibility that next summer he surveys the landscape. He might be one of the top free agents next summer. If he chooses to pass on that 27000000 million, he'll be 31 next summer and could say, let me get one more big paycheck, a long-term contract, that'll take me into my mid-30s. And I think the Spurs front office is smart enough to not necessarily pay uh, you know, we, We've seen some of these disaster contracts now with guys like John Wall. Uh, Russell Westbrook is, is looking like one of those now. Uh, guys who are approaching their mid-30s, and they'll be making close to $40 million a year. And most of the time those contracts aren't, aren't great. Uh, so do the Spurs maybe look at moving DeRozan this year or possibly even this summer? I think there's, there's a timeline. And again, this is me just spitballing here. Uh, I, I haven't heard anything that would suggest that he's unhappy in San Antonio and would want to leave. But I think he could see the writing on the wall say, look, I'm not going to re-sign with you guys. Uh, you can trade me if you want. I'm happy enough here. I'll play this season with you guys, but then I'm walking. Uh, and that, that's more than most players would give. He's from Southern California. He's from Los Angeles. Uh, and who's looking to sign players right now? Uh, the Clippers and the Lakers are both looking to to pick up guys. The Lakers have been tied to a lot of the big-name free agents, but I think there's a chance they they miss on a lot of those. Uh, I think you have a Lakers front office that is uh, going to be desperate to make a big name, uh, des- desperate to assign somebody, to point to somebody and say, hey, we added somebody for LeBron here. I think there's a world where the Spurs and Lakers get on the phone and say, what can we do? Let's get DeMar paired up with LeBron James out there. He's going to re-sign in L.A. He's going to be happy to stay close to home. He went to USC. Can the Spurs get something from the Lakers? And I think I think there's there's a mutually beneficial trade out there for both teams. Now, granted, that would be a blockbuster for the Spurs to move from Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to Jakob Pertl and DeMar DeRozan, and then turn DeMar DeRozan into other young guys, future assets. Uh, but the Lakers need to make a move, and I think right now the Spurs are in a situation where they're close to their ceiling. I don't think their ceiling right now is an NBA championship, but you make a move, you sort of reboot on the fly. Uh, that's that's sort of teams hate to rebuild, but they love to reboot on the fly, and I think that, that could be
0: plan A. It'd be wild to me if the Spurs <laughs> were going to move from DeMar, um, mainly just because it, this front office hasn't been a front office to trade two superstars in ever, much less in the span of two or three years. But that's definitely an interesting option. And um, we've kind of seen what the Spurs thought about the Lakers' prospects, the Lakers' younger players, when they were uh, kind of in the negotiations for Kawhi Leonard, uh, and the Spurs kind of balked at their offer. But there is someone, and this is an even hotter take than you were throwing out. (laughs) Bring it on. There's someone out there the Spurs could bring in if they're in win-now mode, who ESPN is reporting Lakers are kicking the tires on, trading LeBron James. Do you think there's a the world out there? There's a world out there where the Spurs flip Demar Derozan and a draft pick. They've got two first round draft picks this year. First, someone like LeBron who adores Pop would love to. He's mentioned in the past He's love. He would love to play for Popovich in some of his final seasons here. This is the chance. Again, <laughs> wild hypothetical, hot take, but it would be interesting to see LeBron here.
1: That you know, it would be it would be fun. I think if any team was going to uh LeBron was going to be traded to any other team I think it would actually be the Clippers. Um I think he really is committed to being in LA. It, it it's sort of more about his his brand and his identity and all this other stuff uh setting up the, the rest of his life not just his his basketball career. Yeah, and the
0: Clippers have a bunch of young prospects. A like young the, great young there's pieces. A, there's there's a trade there
1: that would make a lot of sense. Uh you know, you put some pieces together there, but uh in terms of a team that you could rebuild some things, retinker some things, uh, yeah, I mean, they're shooters here. What, what's, the, what's the strategy? You want, you know, a fairly versatile big man like a Kevin Love. I think Marcus Aldridge is starting to develop that three-point shot. Um, you put the ball in LeBron's hands, surround him with guys who can shoot, space the floor. They're veterans. They've been in these sort of battles. Obviously, it would be a franchise-altering thing for both teams. Uh, hilarious that we're talking about it because it's not
0: going. To, LeBron's not going to leave the Lakers. Yes, he's uh, he's in LA. Uh, he's got a couple movies he's producing <laughs> here. We got to see Space Jam two before he can leave. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've mentioned um, you know kind of putting a five next to Le- Lamarcus Aldridge. Is there anyone in this free agent market that you see the Spurs spending the money on to bring in? Yeah,
1: uh, two names that jumped out to me. Uh, the, the Spurs need. A big and and prefer preferably a guy who can space the floor a little bit that, that sort of stretch five because Lamarcus has he's really good in the low block you want to, if you can create space for him in the low block where he can work out to the mid post even out to the elbow that's fantastic what you want is a, is a, a center who can move out float out to the corners and other teams can uh, respect that uh, two centers who will be free agents this year Marcus Saul, who has a player option uh, and Brooke Lopez who's uh, I believe unrestricted. Marc is not going to leave Toronto. He has that player option. He's 34 or 35 years old, and that's a pretty fat player option. It's 22 plus million uh, at least, I think, because that was the contract he would have signed with, with Memphis. Uh, so he's not going to get that much on the open market, and he's probably not going to get a long-term deal with wh- where he's at. So he's probably staying in Toronto. Brooke Lopez would be a really interesting guy the Spurs could go after. They'll have some of that cap space. Uh, you know, you're know, you looking at what's going to be open for the Spurs uh, if they can bring back Rudy Gay, it's hopefully for a little bit less than what he was at this year, which is about $10 million. Uh, you had the Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter slots, which are combined about $5 million. And then you could free up some other space, but it's really not much. So uh, right now the Spurs... Probably need to make a couple more moves. It depends on how much some of these guys are asking for, and I think Brooke Lopez, with what he's doing this year in Milwaukee, has proved that he's deserving of a pretty big contract. So maybe the answer for that five, and we can talk about it a little bit more in the draft, uh, might be trying to find a, a, a big man, a young big man, who's maybe a little bit more ready. And that's, that's you know you're, you're asking for a very specific kind of guy in that situation.
0: Yeah, I love what uh, Spurs family member Coach Budenholzer has done with Brook Lopez up there in Milwaukee, and he's proven to be kind of, I think I would argue, the piece that pushed them from a 3-seed, 4-seed, to a 1-seed, being able to space the floor, make that room for Giannis there in the paint, uh, and his 3-ball has improved tremendously. I, I agree. I think the, the goal here is to find someone to keep LaMarcus Aldridge out of that 5-spot as much as we can. Ideally, I mean, playing him in the five and going small is the way the NBA is working right now. But if we keep zigging against that strategy, I don't think LaMarcus, and we saw this in the playoffs, is a great five defender. He's not a good, uh, he can't match up against someone like Jokic, um, Marcus Cousins when he's healthy, Anthony Davis, these players who will bully him in the paint. And that's been kind of a, that was the downfall in the playoffs this year. Finding someone with that size who can match up. I, someone against someone like Jokic, I think is going to be a dangerous player, the Spurs have will have to face to get through the Western Conference uh, in the years coming.
1: Can I wait? Can I yeah. introduce? Uh, you, you talked about uh, zigging when everybody else is zagging. If if we're really going to lean into that, we're talking about crazy hypotheticals in this podcast a little bit. This is big and fun. Uh, two more free agents who everyone's forgetting about. Uh, Dwight Howard would be a free agent this summer. If you want to talk about, uh, you know putting a, a five next to uh, LaMarcus and Carmelo Anthony is also a free agent. <laughs> so you could really build a, a, a really interesting team of guys who are, who've been, been the guy who are now coming together and being not the guy and sort of uh, eschewing the, uh, that the three point shot uh, Carmelo can make. It, and we've seen him be absolutely fantastic as a spot up shooter with team USA. I, I would love to see this, the Spurs build a team of just, you know, all-stars from like 2009-2010 uh and see if they can all kind of come together, especially if you you know, this is a world where coach Pop is win now, try to play with these guys. I I think it ties in a little bit to uh coach Pop working with a lot of big personalities, big uh star mentality guys. He's going to have to find a way when he's coaching these guys in in the uh the world championships and then in the uh in the Olympics, uh, of of finding touches for them all, keeping them all happy. But uh, Carmelo Anthony would be an incredible, uh, you know, sort of seventh man, eighth man, floor spacer, change of pace, instant offense off the bench. I thought the Spurs should have gone after him instead of Monte Yunus, especially with how little they used him, uh, Monte Yunus, in the postseason. Uh, there, there could have been something there. Maybe not. I mean, maybe there wasn't interest from Carmelo Anthony. But, yeah, you're talking about free agents who wouldn't cost as much. It's low risk, uh, potentially high upside because those are guys who uh, have been there and can be. Uh, worth a lot of points. All
0: right, this is amazing and terrifying. <laughs> so, new Spurs, big three. We're looking at LeBron, <laughs> Dwight Howard, and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you heard it here first, uh, everyone. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of finding value in players like Melo, though. Um, and I agree. I thought the Spurs should at least brought him in a, for a tryout. He's far and away as unspursian as you can get in terms of his... Uh, I guess his team chemistry and his camaraderie. But um, like you said, Pop has that Team USA connection, and uh, Melo has thrived in international ball. Looking ahead to the draft, is there a player type that you think the Spurs should be targeting? We're we're spending a lot of this podcast talking about big men. Is there a big man in the draft that entices you or that you think would make this roster better? Uh,
1: There are two big men who I... Uh, enjoyed watching uh, in college this season. Bruno Fernando uh, from Maryland. He's a little bit more of that traditional big man. He doesn't have that, that stretch game as much. Uh, but I th- what I think is more tantalizing for Spurs fans would be Bull Bull out of Oregon. Um, obviously, uh, you recognize the last name. Uh, a lot more hype coming out of high school than uh, what where he's at right now, mostly because he was injured for most of this season. Uh, but you're talking about a guy who's set, what, 7'3", 7'4". And, uh, and has a little bit of a, a three-point stroke. Uh, the injuries are a concern. Uh, the uh, durability is a concern. Uh, I think maybe if he hadn't been injured, you're talking about a for sure lottery pick, um, but a guy who is going to need some time to develop. And I don't think that really fits so much with the Spurs' timeline. I think what the Spurs are looking for, if you're going to at least uh, turn this roster over again one more time and say, you know, let's, let's roll it back, let's run it back, let's re-sign the guys. And I think that's what uh, the front office has sort of, uh, at least Coach Pop has said, yeah, I'd like that. And he, and he has to say that in, in his uh, last media availability of the season. He, he kind of has to say, yeah, I like this roster. I'd like to see us try to bring them all back. You, you, you can't not say that. Uh, but if that really is what the team is trying to do, you need a guy who's a little bit more polished. Uh, Carson Edwards, Eric Pascal uh, from Villanova, and uh, Ty Jerome from Virginia are all guys who are sort of uh, multiple-year players in college, had that chance to develop a little bit more. Uh, this is not a Spurs team if you're trying to win in the next two years, uh, assuming that that's really the timeline for Pop. You don't have time to bring in a 19-year-old, give him some touches, let him develop. Uh, the Spurs have done that fairly well these last couple years, or at least this year with Lonnie Walker, but that, that they can't do that forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Spurs... Have two first-round draft picks coming up here, so there is a lot of interesting moves they could do. And as like you said, as much of a splash as Bull Bull would make coming in here, I mean, I think you were saying lottery pick. Depending on how his season in Oregon would have played out, he could have weasel his way into the top five there. Um, as as with his kind of skill set, his caliber, the way he's built, his physicality, um, I like the idea of bringing in someone like Carson Edwards, who I liked in the NCAA tournament. Um, And of course Eric Pascal, part of that Villanova team that won a championship last year. Um, So those are some interesting plays there. It's hard for me to imagine a rookie coming in and having an impact on the Spurs because that's not what they've done. They set DeJounte Murray for a year. They set Lonnie Walker for most of this year. Uh, he found minutes in small places, but it was mostly garbage time. Um, so maybe they can use one of those draft picks to, to bring in. If they need a big man to play now, use one of those draft picks uh, in a trade. Bring in someone else. We've seen reports that they've worked Jalen Pickett out uh, from the MAAC, uh, the Mac, if you will, um, who was a 6'4 guard for Siena. Um, freshman All-American, 10-time Rookie of the Week in his conference. And what was enticing me is he dropped 46 points and 13 assists in a game. It was a triple overtime game, if you will, but he scored. He was, um, he was 35% behind the arc uh, this year, so that's a shooter – Again, we're not looking for guards, but they've brought him in for a workout. And, of course, um, Spurs are one of the best at scouting internationally. Uh, European sports site Sportnato spotted R.C. Buford in Europe scouting the Croatian Ford. Luka Samanic, 19-year-old, two, 6 foot 11, 250-pound Ford, uh, was a deadly three-point shooter in the European League, shot nearly 40%. Interesting fact would be one of the first guys born in the year two thousand to be drafted in the uh, the league, which is and crazy. You made me feel
1: old. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is a, this is a rare situation for the Spurs to have two first round picks. They have their their own pick, which is nineteen, and uh, the Raptors' pick, which will fall in the mid to late twenties, uh, depending on a couple other things, I think. Uh, so the last time I think the Spurs had those two picks was 2011, right? That's right, uh, yeah,
0: the Kawhi Leonard
1: draft. Yeah, so they, they traded uh, George Hill, who was a popular Spur. There were people at the time who were saying, why, you know, why are you giving up? This this guy's an important asset to your team. Well, Popovich was upset about it, too. He was one yeah. of Popovich's favorite players and right. everything. So could you trade – you know, what could you package? And if you're looking to move a guy, we've talked about how uh, guard-heavy this roster is uh, – how far can you move up, and who are you willing to give up?
0: I think the player I would give up, based on his contract, based on his role in the team, is Patty Mills. Um, there's a lot of value to be taken in the fact that he's the longest-tenured spur. We've talked about that. Um, but he doesn't really have a place in this role uh, in this uh, team. If Derek White is going to be the bench, if Bryn Forbes is going to be the bench guy, both of those guys I'd rather see handle the ball, run the offense before Patty Mills. Um, based on the success they had doing it this year, Mills is only getting older. He's friends with LaMarcus Aldridge, which is very valuable as well. Um, do I see any team wanting Patty Mills? I don't know. That, that's the tough thing is you, you, if you're trading for Patty Mills, you're trading for his contract,
1: which is another $25 million over the next two years. Uh, he, let me go with uh, a little bit of a, another hot take here. Uh, what if the Spurs trade high on Derek White? What if we've seen Derek White's ceiling? What if the the best he's going to do, and I'm not saying this is necessarily true, is that, you know, whatever, 32, 36-point game in game one. What if that's the most he can give you? What if he, he, he's basically maxed out? Um, you know, there's, there are always problems in the scouting process, both coming out of high school and coming out of college. But he, you're looking at a guy who didn't have D1 interest coming out of high school and fell to the bottom of the first round in a draft that wasn't particularly crazy the Spurs might have developed him to as, as great as he's going to be, and you think of him as he's a young guy. He's already 24, where you're looking at some guys who are 24. I mean, the, the really elite guys. Jason Tatum's going to be on his second contract when he's 24. Uh, what if he, And he's still on a very favorable contract. What if you move those picks plus Derek White and can really
0: shoot up the draft board? I think he could definitely move into the top 10 with that package, maybe top eight. What uh, reminds me of the George Hill move as we were talking about something that would probably leave a bad taste in Spurs fans mouth they'd probably balk at that trade but as we've said you know this this front office knows what they're doing this one of the best front offices in the league uh and that'd be very interesting to do um I agree I think we forget how old Derek White is for where he is um and this could be all we see from him I like what we see from him and I think there's a lot of value from that but if you've find someone who's a top eight player, if this front office finds someone who's a top eight player that they love and they want to move Derek White, that's something we could definitely see. That's very interesting. All right, so let's navigate the arc here. Let's look at the league as a whole. And right now, you know, second round playoffs are wrapping up. We saw the Boston Celtics eliminated uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. What have your thoughts been on the second round? It's been better, right? Better play? Or?
1: It's, it's more entertaining. It's more compelling than it is in the first round. That's not surprising. Uh, I was a little surprised in the first round that it was all chalk. There were no Upsets, not even a 5-4 and the swiftness with which some of those uh, teams were eliminated in the first round was a little surprising Utah I think was a pretty big disappointment Um, but now you've gotten rid of the the Detroit Pistons of the world the Victor Oladipo-less Pacers of the world this is these are the good teams I mean with the Celtics now eliminated there are seven teams left and I think there are cases to be made for almost all of them to be NBA champions and that's uh, that's uh, fairly r- uh, right in line with uh, what we've seen this season. Uh, I think every remaining series could go seven. We have uh, one series that's 3-2 now with Warriors-Rockets, which some people looked at and said this is the NBA Finals. Um, and then uh, the Portland-Denver series has been really good. They they went, what, four overtimes in that one game? Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Uh, and, and then Toronto-Philadelphia, which has been also fantastic. Uh, I think... Right now, uh, there's probably five teams, I would say, uh, who could win the NBA championship. I think Toronto, if things go right for them, obviously Milwaukee. They look like a juggernaut right now. Uh, And both uh, Golden State and Houston would have a pretty good case. Denver is a little bit tougher to say, and I don't think Portland really has the guys. And I don't think Philadelphia has really figured things out. I don't think there's really a precedent for a team basically coming together at the trade deadline... And, and winning a championship. So I think there are four teams uh, that have uh, a real legitimate chance to win the NBA championship, which is so much better than where the league has been in the last few years. I mean, with the exception of last year, it's felt like the last few years have been—it's a foregone conclusion. It's Cavs and it's Warriors, and those are the two teams. Rockets started to come together last year. There's maybe been some other times. Uh, you know, the Celtics last year kind of came together, but then everybody got hurt. Really, the most you could have said was three, maybe four. I think last year you wouldn't have ever said the Cavs actually had a chance to win. So I think the most you would have said any time in the last three years was maybe there are three teams that could win the championship. This year there's four, if not five, and that's a good thing for the NBA.
0: Definitely. It definitely makes for a more exciting second round, as you said. I I do agree that I think... Either of those Eastern Conference teams, be it the Bucks, the Raptors, I think the Raptors are going to end up knocking Philadelphia out here pretty soon. Either of those teams is going to have a good chance at the finals, mainly because the Western Conference finals has been such a tiring, tiring— uh, both of those games have been such a tiring series. Um, as we saw a 4 overtime game, which I didn't think I ever wanted to see, but I enjoyed seeing, um, especially watching Jokic, uh, who is a player who always looks tired— um, when you when you play him for or fifty minutes in a game, he uh, it was really wearing down on him. Um, you mentioned though that you know you didn't you, things have been all chalk going in. I honestly think it's going to stay chalk. Um, I, I thought before last night that was the way um, with Golden State Warriors taking it all. They have proven themselves to be the more talented team. There was a little bit of a scare with Kevin Durant, who's going to sit out Game Six with his injury. Um, it appears that's going to be a minor injury. Doesn't involve the Achilles. Reggie Miller. Compared it to Kobe Bryant's Achilles tear last night during the game, and that terrified not just Golden State Warrior fans, NBA fans, because you want to see Durant, who I, who's proven himself to be the best player in the NBA. Um, you, could argue Gian, uh, you could argue Giannis, um, but the way Durant's playing in these playoffs, he's the best player. There's a huge question mark with his injury. Bigger question mark, I think, for this team is Steph Curry's play. He started to figure out when Durant wasn't on the court, but Dr- Draymond's played the best we've seen all year in this playoff series. Clay had a huge Game 5 for him, uh, stepped up when Durant went out. I think it's still the Warriors to lose, um, but there is a big challenge there. This is going to go seven games against a tough uh, tough competitor in the Rockets. I think if the Nuggets end up prevailing over the Trailblazers, they don't really have an answer for Jokic. Draymond's not going to be able to guard him for seven games without getting a tech and ejected from a game. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, but I still think it's the Warriors to lose. Yeah, and the Eastern Conference,
1: I mean, assuming Toronto pulls through, how fun is it going to be to see at least four games of Giannis and Kawhi going head-to-head? Uh, that is just going to be incredible. And I, I know uh, that stings a little bit for Spurs fans to hear. Uh, Giannis is hes a jump shot away from being one of the most scary basketball players in the history of the NBA. And he is basically already there without a jump shot. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I feel like the Bucks. They, that's been that's been a series where the games have been on a little early here Central Time. Uh, in particular, last night you kind of just it kind of just happened and like oh the Bucks won by like twenty or whatever. They're really good. They had the best record in the NBA. They're uh, top three in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They're nuts. They're a really good team. That you look at some of the depth they have. Uh, you know, people coming into the playoffs were a little worried about oh they don't have Malcolm Brogdon. He's not fully healthy. That's, he's like their sixth or seventh best guy. Yeah,
0: and I mean, not it can't be understated too that Coach Bud might be the best coach left in these playoffs. Uh, he's proven himself. He's one of the coach of the year. He's done amazing things for that uh, for that team. It's funny to say that you know people have been talking about this Golden State Warriors Houston Rockets matchup as this is the NBA Finals. But I think next 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 I think next round if we get the Kawhi get the Giannis matchup that could be the one that we look back and say oh that was the round that decided the finals. I think it depends on what
1: ends up happening in the Western Conference Finals. You talked about fatigue a little bit and, and sort of the grind. I think it can't be understated how important it is. The Clippers, they, they, they forced the Warriors into, into a sixth game. They uh, That series, they lost to Marcus Cousins, uh, which is huge uh, for for the Warriors, and especially I'm not sure how well he could guard Jokic, but he could at least body with him and, and, and play with him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, there's we could be looking at both of these uh, – Uh, conference finals games or conference final series going seven which is what happened last year and it was awesome and then we got to the nba finals and the warriors still looked pretty fresh so we'll see that that, that's a different warriors team this is a different warriors team than last year and they're, they're they don't have
0: much of a bench nobody has much of a bench except
1: uh the teams out east
0: yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, they're one more player from, they're already at a seven-man rotation. One more player out of that rotation, be it by an injury or by poor playman uh, playing, that's going to be a very shallow team, and uh, you saw that last night when Durant went out, they ran five, you know, that's what they have. Um, if Iguodala wears out, if Draymond has to miss a game um, because of an ejection or if he gets in foul trouble, that's bad for them, and I think an Eastern Conference team like the Bucks or Raptors, Raptors could take advantage of that. Is there anything in the league right now that's driving you batty?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say it's cooled down since the first few games, uh, especially in the the Golden State-Houston series, which has kind of gotten the lion's share of the national media attention. You have two of the last three MVPs with Curry and Harden. Uh, and there's sort of this culture of who me, I, that's, not, that's not a foul on me, what are you, t- and it, it, it gets old really fast when it's six or seven games of it, and uh, the, the national media, I think, got suckered into it a little bit, um, especially in the first few games, was that a foul on Harden, and that's it's his game, you know, that's, is always about drawing fouls, and then you also bring in Chris Paul into that equation, where that's sort of what he's been known for, Draymond Green is that kind of guy. It, it, it turns into just this this culture. What it reminds me of is growing up as a kid. Uh, I played in a, in a rec basketball league where you know the parents are coaches and you know they, they coach their kids and things that a parent does can sort of rub off on players and can rub off on a team. And there was one parent who would work the refs. That's what he would call it. Other people would say he was just complaining too much. And his kid, you know, the, ki- the kid takes after his dad. And then you play on a team with him, and suddenly you find yourself doing it too. That's just sort of the culture that's around the team. That's what sort of happens with the Rockets, with a Chris Paul team, uh, and th- the Warriors have been there too. And, and it's it's tiresome. It's driving me a little bit crazy. All of these. Oh, was he out of bounds? And this. And and now the uh, the Twitter doctors. We saw it a little bit last night with with Kevin Durant. There's just people who I wish would just enjoy the game for what it is be a fan don't try to be a coach don't try to be a ref and don't try to be a doctor enjoy the game you can break down some of the strategy a little bit uh, but trying to be a ref and trying to be a doctor those are people who have they're trained at what they do they're really good at what they do at this point you know you're in the playoffs these are the best refs the teams have really fantastic medical staffs let them do their thing
0: yeah i mean it's slow-mo hasn't helped us at all being able to take it frame by frame and put it on twitter instantly Um, Have everyone kind of diagnose it, as you will, uh, as you said, the Twitter doctors. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, we saw a little, I think, like, honestly, like you mentioned, I think Chris Paul and that Rockets team has really kind of amped it up and hardened his following suit. Um, But yeah, like you said, it's been better in the second round. Um, And of course, I don't think the national media helped with that at all. kind of covering it. And that kind of brings me to what's driving me bad here, and that's the the national media attention surrounding Kawhi Leonard's success. I've got no problems with him being successful. In fact, I knew he was going to be successful. We saw it here on the Spurs. He finished in the top three MVP voting one year. He's got that talent to be a top three guy in the league, and we all knew it. Didn't feel like everyone talked about it when he was here, talking about it when he's on the Raptors. And, of course, that's Kawhi kind of getting what he wanted. He wanted the spotlight. He wanted the attention. Um, but man, I was listening to ESPN the other day, and one of the talking heads take that for granted. Take it, take that for what you will. Was talking about bringing up the Spurs again. Oh, it's the Spurs' fault that he's not here, and things like that. The Spurs team—they could really use him against this Nuggets thing. And like, all of us, Spurs fans, are saying, "Yeah, we know. We'd love to have him here. Don't put the blame on us. We've seen how it played out. I think the Spurs have moved on. I think Kawhi has moved on. Doesn't seem like the media's moved on. I'd like to see that happen.
1: I think it'll only uh, get worse if. The Raptors move on. Uh, that, that's a team. They they have some really talented guys. I mean, their starting five is no doubt better than most teams in the league. They they do have a little bit of uh, bench concern. So we'll see a lot of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we'll see Marc Gasol. We'll see Serge Ibaka. We'll see Danny Green and Kyle Lowry. That's a scary five. Um, whether they can finish off the Sixers, that'll be fun to watch. And uh, assuming they do, the matchup with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Kawhi Giannis, uh, if that doesn't start pulling some more headlines, uh, especially away from Golden State this, Houston that,
0: it, it it is a little tiresome. For sure. All right, Cameron, clock's winding down. Seconds before the final buzzer. Let's leave everyone here with a final thought. And that is, you know, looking at this team, the window they have, LaMarcus is here, DeMar is here, they're getting older. We've talked about this as win now. Are they going to be able to win now? Can this team, with the right moves, win a championship?
1: With the right moves, I would say maybe, but I'm going to just say, if I had to say yes or no, I would say no. Uh, in the modern NBA, I think you really need a super-duper star, a top-five guy if you're, looking, if you're looking to be the team. You look at teams that win the championship, they have a top-five guy. Uh, LeBron, Durant, Curry, uh, going back further, Dirk, uh, Kobe, those kinds of guys. They're top five guys. And LaMarcus and DeMar are fantastic, but they're not top five guys in the NBA right now, and they're trending the wrong way. They're trending downward. They're just older. That's how it goes. Uh, I think either one of them could be the second best guy on a team that absolutely wins the championship, Uh, but they're not good enough to be that guy on a team that wins it all. Uh, There are also fundamental questions about this team's makeup, the the deep shooting and the wing defense in particular. I think that'll just improve, I think, as the guys play together. Some of these young guys develop, and you get DeJounte Murray back. Again, second team all defense last year. Uh, Really good defender. Uh, You don't see those kinds of problems, though, those really kind of modern, important things that are just so glaring on uh, championship teams. I think it also used to be the saying that a jump shooting team can't win a title. I think that's sort of been flipped on its head that... uh, You have to make jump shots to win a title, and the Spurs' two best guys are not three-point jump shooters. Uh, This is a good team. I think there is absolutely a world—you saw it this year. They lost a starting player for the whole year, uh, dealt with unprecedented roster turnover for a Spurs team, and still were within a few bounces in a Game 7 away from getting into the second round of the playoffs where— you never know where things happen. Other teams get injuries, too. I think there's a, a, absolutely a situation where this team could get into the conference finals and possibly even an NBA finals. I just think there's so many things have to go right, and even then, you still have to, would have to win one more series. I just don't think this is a championship team as currently constructed.
0: I think you're exactly right, but I will just leave you with kind of the mantra that has been around the San Antonio Spurs for the last 20 years, 21 years, and that's, you know, with Coach Pop and this team, anything is possible. Um, but yeah, maybe they bring in a super duper star. We mentioned LeBron James. We can dream, can't we? It's, it's, know, big, right? it's big and it's fun. <laughs> exactly. And that's the Big Fundamental Podcast. Thank you so much, Cameron. Thank you, Jackson. Awesome. We'll see you next time.